I thought having a boyfriend meant the mere idea of other boys left your mind completely. And yet, here I was, totally crazy about Peter, but I couldn't stop replaying my conversation with John Ambrose in my head. I didn't care about everyone. I didn't want to be thinking about what might have been if he had gotten that letter in middle school instead of now. But I was. So I have a question. When you wrote those letters, who'd you like the most? You had to have had a favorite. You couldn't have liked us all the same. One of the letters had to have been a little more intense than the others. If I was really being honest, there was one letter that I remember being a little more intense than the others. It was mine, right? It was me, okay? Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. Now, if you want a man in his mid 30s to do a deep dive on a teenage melodrama or two, maybe sprinkle in a couple of middle aged guests as well, then you are in the right place, my friend, because this episode is all about the To All the Boys I've Loved Before films. With extreme focus, of course, on the latest one, P.S. I Still Love You. Fans of the first movie will be delighted to hear that most of the cast and crew is back for the sequel. Notable additions include former Disney kid and musical theater star Jordan Fisher, who plays former crush and last letter bearer John Ambrose. Ross Butler of Shazam and 13 Reasons Why plays new friend Trevor, and Holland Taylor of Legally Blonde and Two and a Half Men plays the sometimes maternal but always irreverent Stormy. We get into these additions and the noticeably absent cast and crew from the original film in my conversation with real-life married couple and comic book writers Travis Holyfield and Jenny Langan. You may remember Travis from our Christmas episode back in December or his first appearance in our episode on Polar. I've known Travis and Jenny a very long time, and let me tell you guys, They are the real deal. They are really good writers and creators and always a good hang. And this episode is no different. Now, sad to say, a lot of the stories that I've read of Jenny's are currently out of print. But if you want to check out Travis's current work, go to TravisMHolyfield.com or head over to Comixology and check out his comics, Doberman and Street Clothes. Two very good titles. Highly recommend those. As always, thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe to the Nomcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And thanks again to Travis and Jenny, of course, for bringing their best, as always. All right, here it is. To all the boys I've loved before, P.S. I love you. And trust me, guys, I love you guys, too. Give a listen. I, so I was, I spent my day today a lovely president's day rewatching both movies the first one and the second one uh because i had for 
gotten i, I think that good really well the second one when it started because i watched it first when it came out that day because you know i'm a loyal fan so i i <laughs> day and date on that no spoilers exactly so <laughs> i'm dialed in i'm watching this movie and the, the first 20 minutes i'm just like when is this taking place because immediately exactly. i was Probably like had. We, you know, a year, what is it, a year removed, maybe a little bit more or something like that since the first one aired? It's something like that. It's yeah, first that. date? No, it's no, no, a no. first date. Like, yeah, that was literally that's a big what deal. Right. Me up. And that's what trips us up, too. And, and yeah. also the fact that um, when the little sister comes out, Jenny's like, that girl's like 16. Now. Yeah, she's, like, she's so got old snarky. Now. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, she, the and snark, really heavy yeah, on the like, snark. Yeah, it's, it, it's a noticeable difference. So we had the same problem where it starts up and we were just watching it like, how much time has been removed and the fact that it is their and I'm air quoting here which you know great yeah. great for the audio medium uh, <laughs> yeah. the fact that it is their first date was the only thing that we had to click on to where it was like oh wait this is happening almost immediately after yeah. the last thing we saw and that's despite, why I w- despite several universe shifts that nobody seems to notice about yeah oh you know what it might be Endgame came out between <laughs> the first one and this one, so we might be seeing like a post, like like I think what might have happened. What, like Kitty didn't get snapped. Exactly, yeah. Kitty didn't get snapped, but Lara Jean and most of her classmates did. Right. So when the thing snaps back in, now we're getting their first date, which they couldn't have because of of Thanos. I totally buy um, that. That's, that's the no prize I'm going to use. Yeah, for, it's like for the, the Spider Man High School all over again. Well, it also explains why in the first movie. John Ambrose is the whitest of white boys. <laughs> yeah. And he's in the second like, movie, yeah. he is a, a handsome man of color. Yeah, in the first movie, he's like a like a uh, offshoot of like the nerdy kid from Boy Meets World, like an egghead, like literally like the the egghead that like follows Foghorn Leghorn around. He's got like that kind of vibe to him. But and then yeah, this one completely different. But I will say that he is 100%. I know you said something different, so I'll be interested to know what you say, Jamie, but like, I looked at this guy, I was in love with him. I think like... Oh, you I mean in John in, Ambrose? Yeah, in, in this, this movie. movie right. I was in love with Jordan Fisher. Like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that is the most adorable, likable guy. He's like, cast out of a... Like, he's out of a mold right into this character. And so... For whatever he's supposed to be, to whatever he is here, I don't give a shit. So are you are you hashtag Team John, John Ambrose then? So I, I read a review. Uh, I will answer your question. Uh, but I read a I review. Like, don't be, don't that be coy with me, Some man. people who watch this movie, I think the, they said the enjoyability of this movie is based on whether you wanted her to end up with one or the other at the end. And I will say. Is, is that not true, though, of literally any Every romantic romantic comedy, comedy right? yeah. Yeah. yeah but generally they kind of i don't know crowdsource these things to like oh yeah most people are gonna want this outcome i think this guy there's no flaw here it's just mostly like hey this doesn't feel right now i'm gonna magically go back to my boyfriend so like that is not a hard turn like usually there's something in a movie where they make a flaw occur that it goes oh that was the rub yeah let's go back to the other thing Mm -hmm. this guy is just a different kind of perfect yeah which is a hell of a thing to get it's like five letters and apparently you knocked them pretty hardcore out of the i do like that though i like that they didn't have the have one of the two romantic 
options for her be yeah. so obviously comically wrong for yeah. her or evil in some of those cases yeah. like, like a lot of times the way that they make you okay with who the the main character ends up with is by making the other person like kind of an insufferable douchebag they yeah. kind of i feel like they actually walked peter back yes i believe like, that too I, like which I, I was really disappointed by obviously they gave uh, him you know, nothing to do in yeah this movie. the first I date noah centineo is horrendous yeah like him knocking the fork off the table compared to how charming and weirdly mature he is in yeah. the first movie for for a kid you know he's still a high school kid but right. like and i felt like they did that on purpose to throw him into the sharpest possible relief against John Ambrose, yeah. who was supposed to be more cosmopolitan, a little bit more mature, you know, he plays I, jazz piano. I will actually own. take that one step further, mm. and I think that is a microcosm of the difference between the first and second movie. And I think it's because that first movie, now that I did the rewatch, watching them like closer to back to back, just to get my bearing straight, let alone <laughs> uh, <laughs> to know what year and day it is. But I think the first movie has so much personal personality personal touches charm and a pace that is way faster Agreed. which is weird because yeah. i think this movie is around the same length of time as the mm-hmm. first movie but it seems it's like three minutes long. longer I think. yeah it's not it's much like, it's, at all. it's like an hour and 41 as opposed to an hour and 38 or something yeah. ridiculous like that but to make a movie that short drag i think said a lot about this movie that it kind of like lost a lot of the momentum that the first one gave. Well, I, also, I, wanna, they, I, wanna, I feel like they went in a lot of directions. Let me let me they jump in real quick. Threw a lot in yeah. that pot. There's something that we talked about because she made the point when we watched it about kind of the regression of Peter. And I know Prize did a little bit, which I, I probably put way more thought into this movie. Than no, we I actually really need to. liked this. I really liked what he came up with because I was really unhappy with what they did to Peter. I mm. The way that I kind of am hand waving it is a, because Lara Jean is our narrator. Right. The perceptions of the guys are going to be somewhat filtered by how she's perceiving them. Yeah. So it's a kind of almost a familiarity breeds contempt thing. Yeah. As she is in a relationship with Peter and she's locked in, she's not idealizing him quite the same way as she was when they were fake dating. So it becomes more real where she's actually seeing him for who he is. And yes, he's charming and yes, he's very likable, but he's also a 17 year old lacrosse jock and he's kind of a goon yeah if you go back to the first movie you even see something similar with the way that she the way that josh is portrayed at the beginning of the movie yeah when he's with margo apparently (laughs) that dude yeah apparently that dude like transferred out or something (laughs) like no longer their neighbor he's in the witness yeah exactly i mean i'm presuming Lucas disappeared too didn't he no lucas is there yeah man they have the whole thing at the party where they're talking and hanging out yeah yeah, they're sharing. No, yeah. Lucas goes nowhere. Oh, I totally forgot Lucas that. goes nowhere, and, and thank God for oh, that. Oh, he's really because, fun, too. Wow. Yeah, Lucas is so <laughs> much better than her right actual best head. friend. So, yeah, I think yeah. that I, I really do think that you better could than make... her actual best friend. Oh, yeah. I'm Chris sorry. is... She is the worst, man. That girl <laughs> is, is a worst. crackhead. I don't know. I like her in this, though. <laughs> I do not enjoy her in this at all. Like, every time she shows up, it's just like, oh, God, another excuse for this chick to wear a hat. I like, told Travis, uh, like, I feel of... like she's on bath salts all the time. Like, that, That's what I kind of like, that she's crazy, like a wild weird. card in this, because it has to have a little bit of She's not enough of a wild card. What she's doing is... I liked is... when she walked, when they first go to the treehouse, when they make that major meeting or whatever to do the time capsule thing, and she's just 
just wandering out from the lake or whatever. It's With like, a shovel. Yep. We were saying that is one of our favorite things in the movie. I would yeah. love to see the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of this, which is just following her through like an insane, like David Lynchian, um, yeah. you know, 24 hours of just complete mayhem. Yeah. But I mean, I think what she's doing, if the movie Book Smart. Yes. Um, Billy, Billy Lord. Thank you. Billy yeah. Lord's role uh, in that is a better version of the character Chris in yeah. this movie. Yeah, fair. Like, like this girl is not quirky enough or weird enough or volatile enough to be interesting. Yeah. She just comes off as kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like, uh, we she just comes like, out as like a fussy eater who like has a lot of opinions that are very ill-formed. Well, she's got some of that in the in the first movie, too. Oh, no, she's got course, a ton of that in the first movie. I, I, I this one, they made her, her just a dialed-up, more quirk. Yeah. But, they, yeah. they paired her off with another character so that her scenes are cut with the charm of that dude. Yeah. Like, 13 Reasons Why Shazam Dude yeah. is in Trevor. most of her... Yeah, Trevor yeah. is in most of her scenes with her. Of course her, his name is Trevor. Of course it is. Of course it's it a, is, yeah. Are there a lot of Asian Trevor? I feel <laughs> sad. sad. Like, I don't know, and yes, I know I'm also pointing to the only Asian person in the crowd here, but like, you know, I don't. I've never done that. I never uh, met that. Way to just marginalize my wife, make her a token, just turn to her and be like, how many Asians are named Trevor? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm a fake Asian. Though. She knows the club, so yeah. totally fake Asian. Like when you go to the the Asian meetings, how many Trevors are there there? <laughs> I liked actually. I sort of the, want to know the answer to the question. <laughs> I did like the the sort of colorblindness of the casting. Yeah. Like I liked the fact that John Ambrose could be both white and black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's race there, I guess. Yeah. So, well, let me start there because I've already kind of mentioned, and I'm curious to know. We so, are in no way att- attacking these things in any sort of linear order. Well, I'm attempting to a little bit right now. So, yeah. So, you guys were big fans of the first one. That's why I really, really, really love the first one. Um, and because uh, oh, we did. had that conversation at your apartment, I was like, oh, cool. I'll kind of like bookmark that in my head it was not travis uh that your wife happens to be asian that i asked her to be here thank you for bringing that up earlier i just assumed it was a rom-com thing yeah no no i I mean i assumed the optics of two white guys you know spending a couple hours talking about the love life of a 16 year old half asian girl might not be i mean we might not be the ones who should be telling this story i would love you that 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 could be the case for looking at any (laughs) high school romantic comedy yeah i had high school romance i just get creepier and creepier like I, I am weirdly crushing on Timothy Chalamet right now. Oh uh, sure, it who makes isn't? me yeah. feel so gross, like <laughs> so gross. Did you and I just stereo? Who is? Yes, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but I did ask you guys because I remembered you enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Now, here we are. You know, we're watching. You said that you also rewatched the first one. Before. We did. We so, actually we did them linear style. So oh sweet. Our, so that our Valentine's Day. And you said you were still confused by the opening of this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. He's like that, you watched well, them no, immediately. In to me, no. I did the rewatch to try to take away my confusion, but I did it two then one to kind of it doesn't make it, it easier goes. it actually yeah. makes it worse because that disconnect so spoilers for the people that have not watched these movies and if you haven't why the hell are you listening to this conversation I know, right, yeah um but I just love teen romance <laughs> they, <laughs> i do though it and, makes me feel so and, excuse bad me, people in their 30s and 40s talking about yeah, exactly. teen romance exactly specifically i remember when i was a kid <laughs> 
completely fucking lost. Well, we had we had <laughs> so that, the time lapse. It's, from yeah, it's, it's really well. Yeah. No, it's just the whole. It's a very jarring transition between the two because the first one literally does end with a John Ambrose showing yes. up at her door with the letter in hand, and it's very clearly they were not anticipating that they were going to make two more no, of these I don't things. Think so and they all. should have. I don't know why that wasn't I don't know why they wouldn't have been thinking that. Like they're the only film I've seen that didn't have franchise dangling in the back of its mind. Yeah. Especially with well, the books already written. Exactly. The books it's are already like, written. It just seems like really bad planning. But if I'm not mistaken, if I remember from the rom com episode I ended up doing that we talked about this movie, the one nice thing is that this Netflix did the first movie because they were the only studio that said we won't change this uh, buckle up because no no I know exactly what you're going to say they said we want this character to be white Mm -hmm. and they were the only ones who were like no keep it the way it is you know Asian doesn't matter this is that story it's a cultural specific story why would we change anything we're gonna do it this way and then they fucking flip John Ambrose but <laughs> but John I, Ambrose though it was that they had asked apparently the author like well why isn't John Ambrose Asian and she's like he's not Asian in the book right and that was that was enough for her and then yeah. from that point it was like I don't really care John Ambrose sure <laughs> didn't that happen with crazy rich Asians didn't I, I swear they told him that the author that they were not every place that was were looking to wacky, option it was wacky. like, no, we have to weren't we have they, to change it. Aren't they, like, weren't they considering actually doing a remake of it that was non Asian facing? Oh, that'd no. be in that'd well, be, that'd be, that'd be awful. Idiotic. Yeah, no, it would be why? and especially for the sensation that it was. The yeah. one thing I'd say now that I've watched both God, of these movies, movie. how in God's name because again, like you said, I don't think they thought given the circumstances of how they even got the first one made was kind of a miracle to do it the way they wanted. Yeah. That maybe, especially not even thinking they were going to get the second, how did this movie not end up being a 10 episode Netflix series where this, cause these movies back to back, especially that they have three books to go off of. How is this not a series that went through those progressions of the three of the three books, I kind of prefer it this way. Yeah, because if I, it I do been, too. But if it had I'm been a series, baffled it because it's been Netflix. like a three to five. Well, it, it's Netflix, but it's yeah, <laughs> they overdo three everything. To five seasons, yeah. yeah, they just take everything and just drive it into the ground. I mean, just let's well, be it's happy. expanded IP. If you have yeah. three books, to to me, it's like never, especially with a rom com, they're gonna say, "Yep, sign us up for a trilogy." very rarely are you signing up for a rom-com trilogy. Well, that's why I'm wondering if they're going to take the third book and split it into two movies, a la the Twilight Saga, you know? Oh, they in, the first one, so. in the first one, she and Peter finally have sex, right? and then she gets turned into a vampire at the right. end of it, and yeah, then the last sure. one is the big fight scene right. uh, with all the werewolves. Yeah. I was still responding with all seriousness to the whole split movie idea, and you had already just you know, gone face first into Twilight, and I was like, oh, he was kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm sorry, I was just doing it for the bit. I didn't want you to think it was really a sincere Well, offer. I know that yeah. now. <laughs> You'd think you would have anticipated that, knowing me That's everything true. about me. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but no, I mean, listen, they did it with yeah. the Hunger Games and Harry Potter, it's, too, so it's, it's very not jarring. just Twilight. Okay, okay. Oh, I, my God. All right. Um, but I do agree. It's very, it's very jarring to go from the end of the first movie, where you have a John Ambrose, where Peter is a certain 
level of human, what yeah. you say, and then to roll immediately into the next one, yeah. there's Kitty again, seems like she has already graduated college, come back, is now living in the basement, yes. you know, has a part-time job as a barista. When she was 11 her Yeah, while she gets her graphic design business up and running, like right. whatever she's going to do. Yeah. yeah, and she was 11 She's in the still first 11 in this movie. Yes. Because it picks up it where it takes 10 off. minutes later, but she's also three feet taller. Yes. Like... <laughs> yeah, she's gone through puberty. Fully. It feels like, like if, she, if the braces the were not real yeah. the first time, they definitely weren't real this time. Where they're <laughs> like, let's just slap <laughs> those things back on. It's also interesting that like they did their best to pull Margot in for like a five minute thing in this one, where they're like, she's still alive. Yeah, they can't be bothered to give us. Josh. Well, because it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if exactly. you're gonna retcon Josh, because I love the scene and it makes a lot of sense for this, and I understand kind of pushing Josh out of the way makes a lot of sense to streamline this effort not like josh was giving us a lot in the first film. no but at least he was that kind of it was way more aggressive love mm. triangle in the first one this is a very passive kind of like she it's good either way i'm good either way you can you can go with either guy i'd be like you made the right decision they, they have, <laughs> honestly like the affection between john ambrose and peter is enough that she probably could have like wrangled a thruple out of this if she <laughs> really true. wanted to like she Fair. she probably could have ended up dating both of those guys yeah john ambrose is very like sensitive and affable like he could totally would have been like yeah, I can. Uh, you want to date both of us? That's fine. Yeah, like, that's if you want to, like, just get this over with and like have some. <laughs> I want to give love, you some time. Gentle love making between all of us. That's fine too. Like, oh, why do I hate that? Just want to watch so me and much. Peter make out for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the end of the star. Courteous sex. Maybe that's, that's why. Still better they, than make that's why she ends up with Peter, because yeah. all John Ambrose could provide is gentle lovemaking. That's Peter, true. Peter Fox. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's you true. know what? That's I think that's, that's the what it was about John John Ambrose. I feel like they, he kind of got neutered by being what they wanted him to be, like yeah. being this super, you know, super mature. Like I just feel like, I don't know. Nice guys aren't hot. Is that what you're trying to say? You said it. I didn't. Specifically, nice <laughs> intellectual. Kidding. So, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but so, so, so the question I have for you, because yeah. usually you have the skinny on these things, there's a director change yes. between the first and second. Also, they bring in another writer on the second. Yes. Another screenwriter. Yeah. And that, to me, is where the big differences come from. I think I, so. I love the first one. I think it's really fun. I think it's really sweet. It's really smart. Yeah. And some of the points that it makes. And I love about. I'd say a good 80 to 85% of the second one. Yeah. But then there's decisions that they make and things that happen that are so wildly bizarre yeah. and incongruous that it takes me out of the whole thing. Yeah. And so I think a few things here are wild. Number one, you have a very successful movie and yet the directors change. And obviously, writers, uh, it kind of like, at least you have somebody doing continuity here with having uh, the original writer, which I have, it's something Vasquez. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Sophia Alvarez. Sophia, yes, that was it. Um, so you have some kind of pedigree, and then you brought in a, another rom-com writer to kind of maybe flesh out things or maybe to work on specifically new characters to kind of make it seem to have a little bit of a different slant. I'm unsure, but at least that could be rationalized. The director thing uh, is very interesting because a person who didn't have a ton of experience but w did a great job in the first movie come leaves the project, and then the cinematographer, 
from the first film takes over as director for this film but also stays on to do the cinematography as well so they didn't even replace his position so I don't know if they and by the way he is the director and cinematographer for the third movie wow. as well because well, they that, shot these back to back yeah and that so at that least makes we'll, sense yeah okay. at least we're not gonna like get into the third movie and you know suddenly Peter is like uh, I don't know it I was trying to come up with with a description. Like <laughs> I was trying to come up with something equally implausible as the John Amber. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But everything forming in my head was so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. <I was> like, <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to do this no. where it's not playfully racist. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just back out. But like, it, it, at least you know there will be that tonal consistency. But I yeah. think that's where the big. And I don't know. I, Jenny and I talked about this. I don't know if it's the fact that you went from having a two women essentially helming this from a woman author who's heavily involved exactly and now on the next one it's a man directing yes you've got a man brought into co-write and i'm wondering if that's where those weird bits that don't quite seem to click with anything come in yeah i i could buy that because uh for how much this movie is supposed to be like kind of the emotional maturing of you know laura jean I don't feel that a lot. I feel there are certain scenes that are really good that kind of make me feel like, oh, okay, this is what they were probably trying for for the whole movie. But I just, you're right. I I feel like it kind of got, I don't know, sidelined or lost a lot of. Honestly, I feel like they suddenly became teenagers. Yeah, even like even I found it. I found it disillusioning. Like I, I just thought part of the charm of them in the beginning, right. especially Peter, was that he was so unexpectedly dry and yeah. charming. And sometimes, you know, when Lara Jean says stuff, it is very she just has this great dry delivery and you only get yeah. it out of her every once in a while, but and then I feel like they regressed them here. And I suppose you could look at it as maybe that's realistic right. you know when high school kids are still high school kids like sure. we were talking and i was saying everything when you're that age is dialed up to like 11 so yes. and i you can you get that which I is like. i feel like this movie was breaking my brain like as far as like because you know i mean i just went through oscar season watching all these highfalutin <laughs> movies about either <laughs> you know, yeah like the, like you know you got these you know uh, like a movie about uh, a marriage crumbling or a movie about you know the the two popes where it's like you know the the real philosophy behind catholicism on a, a high movie level about an angry white man who like starts a crime spree <laughs> Who's that? Joker. Oh, well, that's not a Netflix movie, but I'm, I'm with you. But, like, I oh, mean, sorry, like, we were talking about I was Oscar literally just saying Netflix specific like, oh, Oscar yeah. season stuff. But sorry, I, for, I forgot to keep it in your niche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How dare you? My bad. Uh, you know the script by now. So, like, but <laughs> I'm going through these, and now I'm post that, and now I'm into, you know, teenage melodrama. And I feel like every time I was, like, kind of like, criticizing or nitpicking like the reactions of a teenage girl <laughs> or boy that I was just like I, I should just stop doing that. Yeah, you also you also need to keep in mind that like yes, Marriage Story was nominated for Oscars, but that is definitely on the outer edges of the Netflix oeuvre. Like <laughs> We've yeah. Yeah, like just in the time that I've done this podcast with you, yeah. like I've done some really fucking bad movies. Oh, for sure. So like now, so like like even this though, yeah. even when this is clunky, it's still 
pretty qualitatively good. And and I will say there's some truly lovely moments. Yeah. And yeah. the one thing I, I, I was talking to her about when we were talking about the regression, I do feel like they managed to do well by Lara Jean throughout both flicks, in that she is the most honest and realized character to me. Right. And I like that they have her she feels very real to me. Yeah. Like she is funny. But it doesn't. She's not the funniest person. Yeah. You know what I mean. She's she, smart. She falls but off she's the roof, and it's smart. fantastic. Yeah. She does yeah. great physical comedy. But yeah. it's like the whole thing. She's not. None of her quirks are dialed up the way that they are in a lot of these. Where mm. she's the clumsiest girl in the world. Yeah, but yeah. She's also a. It's the not. Best she's all artist. that. Or yeah. right. They right. kind of like, save the tropes. Girl. Yeah. They kind of save the tropes. I feel like for Chris. Right. For Jen, you know, I was saying about Jen, like cartoonishly, cartoonishly evil. evil. Yeah. By the way, just... uh, how dare she spell <laughs> be, a, be a Jen short for Genevieve and not short for Jennifer? How dare she? I had to look that up. Blame her like, parents for that. Not I'm her. sorry. Her name is Jen, but it's with a G. Fuck you. And then the, because in IMDb, it lists just Jen with the G in the first movie. And then the second movie, it actually fully says Genevieve. Genevieve. I'm like, who the hell is Genevieve? <laughs> and I'm like, I still haven't recovered from the fact that one of the main characters in The Witcher is named Yennefer. <laughs> it's, it freaks me right out. And when yeah. they're running around yelling, Yen, Yen, I'm like, uh, this uh, is just weird for me. They're just trying to get stock prices on, on the flow of <laughs> The Asian markets. <laughs> yeah, international coinage. Wow, man. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you proud of that joke? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to move things along. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> I do, I do want to say the part where she's in bed and she's talking about, I thought having a boyfriend means that you you never look at other boys again. Yeah. And I thought the fact that they touched on that yeah. is really, was really great because right. I feel like a lot of the preconceptions about what romance is, where drama means love, you know, right. and they're the same thing. And, and just, just kind of the idea of learning that was yeah. just really, I thought that was a sweet thing to bring up. I agree. You know? and those are the parts that really resonate with me are the parts where like, they're those quiet moments where it's just her having this revelation that maybe you're, you know, as an adult, you're going, yeah, duh, relationships yeah. will work. But for a 16 year old who's in their first relationship, like that's a big deal. Yeah. And the way that she takes that in and the way that she kind of communicates it out through the movie and distills it right. is really honest and really sweet and really good and I, I like those are the parts that i enjoy are those quiet moments where it's her and even the thing like the thing with her and jen in the treehouse i was gonna bring talking, that yeah, up yeah that to me is like that uh like in a another movie you would have hung the whole movie around that one bit it would have come up in the beginning with the yeah. grandmother you would have done it throughout the fact that it was just kind of like a throwaway that happened in that one scene mm. but really profoundly affects the rest of the movie right i think that's interesting and it's it's one of the things i like that the movie i think does well i think and this is it, kind it doesn't of the... telegraph those points sure but I would have, and this is going back to your point from earlier about obviously they didn't forecast this as a trilogy from the start, but I wish they did. I wish they had the ability to kind of like, you know, for lack of a better term, foreshadow or like kind of set up a lot of these, a lot of that relationship. Because I feel like rewatching the first movie, they don't really dive a lot into that gen and Laura were like mm -hmm. so close, I don't or know, that like, even really this do. subset of friends. By also, the way, also that yeah, weird that, thing where she she and Chris are cousins. Yeah. that's a weird thing that just pops up every once in a while. Well, yeah, you know they're they're trying to establish. It's a thing that I think I see in YA movies and books where 
they want to get the cast out and in real life those relationships are complicated and they build yeah. in layers and you meet this person because of this person but in here it's kind of like this is so and so and this is the other person and this right. is the third person this is how I know them right um, but I think they actually do a pretty good job in the first movie of laying out those relationships it's just that in the second movie they over not over that's that's probably a little harsh they complicate it yeah. by adding in these additional layers of oh Trevor was always hanging around us. Right, yeah. John Ambrose is not just a model UN kid that you he was also there. part he of our little group. He was also a yeah. part of our little group and everybody was pals with him. Yeah. I don't know, again, having not read these novels, I don't know how well that necessarily cleaves to them. Yeah. And it might have been something where that was always extant through them, but they rolled it back for the first one thinking it was going to be one and done. Right. Um, but I, I do agree. There's a little... It, it suddenly when you get to that second movie the depths of the relationships and the interconnectedness of this group is evident in a way that it had not been previous yeah because in the first movie you're introduced to peter as just a guy you happen to kiss during spin the bottle and, and pissed then, off and then, your former best then, friend right yeah. but even that's like towards the back end of the movie that really kind of gets heated in that bathroom exchange towards well, no, but the, it pops the out like the, the scene with the three of them is at the jump and you can see her reaction yeah i actually think it's very well like when that scene in the bathroom happens and she's like you kissed a boy i liked there's nothing about that that took me by surprise because right. i think the the girl playing young jen i'm not going to say it was a subtle performance right. it's kind of a big jaw drop like <laughs> Yeah, kind yeah. Of a face, but, yeah. But I mean, it's it's very clear. I I don't have any problems with any of the ways anything's laid out in the first. It's just that the second goes back and retcons some stuff that makes it a yeah. little bit weird. Yeah, the, absolutely. The stuff that bugs me about the second movie and the stuff that I think both of us were like, the fuck. Yeah, it's just they make some weird ass choices. Like before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that they suddenly and inexplicably start a music video yeah. for it like halfway through. She's literally yeah. lip syncing to the song. Yes. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. As she glides through the that, hall. Yeah, exactly. And I want to point this out because I don't think we got it recorded, but my lovely wife pointed out that just before they do that scene, when Lara Jean is standing in front of the bus waiting for, for Peter, yeah. the, there's a girl directly over her shoulder that I guess is in the Sia video. Oh, Maddie Ziegler. Yeah, Maddie yeah. Ziegler yep. is standing there. So then like 10 minutes She actually later. has a line. When they're doing all, when all the Valentine's Day stuff is going yeah. on at the high school, mm-hmm. and she says, you better get ready. Last year, he sent, you know, oh. send them to Sarah. Yeah. Oh, okay. she's no, she's one of the cheerleaders, but I think those are the only two places you see her. I think huh. it's- I just think it's hilarious that like she shows up and then 10 seconds so later- So weird. Like, see a video kind yeah. of happen. Yeah. <laughs> but then also at the very end, like the, the weird grease- finale yeah, where they're rising the carry into off, the sky. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. And even the stuff that's not like weird magical realism like that. Because again, right. if this is Laura Jean's movie, which it is, I'm into that. Like I right. get what we're doing there is we're experiencing things from her perspective. And and again to Jenny's point about how heightened things are. Yeah. Like it feels like you're living in a music video. Yeah. But they those are the only two moments right. where they do that kind of really broad separation from reality and because of that it's so incongruous that you just left going like what the fuck is this and i think that really rolls into the cinematographer taking over and not only is it just saying cinematographer because it's like oh well he probably had a director lineage 
No, he did not. This is his first <laughs> feature, and you let him do a sequel to a very popular movie, and that's where I think maybe something else went awry here. Like maybe he was a last minute was all about was all about coulda and not shoulda it's for some of these decisions. Well, I would say uh, maybe it was a coup. <laughs> they like ousted this woman <laughs> and then they moved him in because they actually liked him or that uh, it was something Patty to where, Jenkins. well I think they really I mean look at the timing with all these things that it, this movie and obviously the third one right behind it I think they really wanted to get these out because they didn't expect how mm-hmm. popular this was going to be and yeah. I'm sure there was like a commitment thing where they were like oh you have to come back and then she was like I, I can't they're like we have and to then, do this really quick oh, Kitty, well, Kitty's going to be got? 23 right yeah that's the thing like you got to move on these because otherwise this is going to start to get just absolutely ridiculous yeah and honestly uh, also Noah Centineo's blowing up he's going to be He-Man uh in 2021 so you know you got a lot of things here at play where it's like you had a very popular movie and you got to nail these things down and it might have been a casualty of either scheduling for that or maybe just simply this is not what she signed up for and and that goes well, on. I would be interested I, to know I, the truth. I am story. just looking and I'm seeing that, that Susan Johnson, who was the director on the first, yes. is at least the exec producer on the she second is. one. They, yeah, although, they kept her on for that. Yeah. Although, like, saying that could be a hollow thing. That could you. be anything. That yep. could be like they, they throw producer credit. That could be a buyout for all you know. By, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got three other directing projects on the table according to imdb right. but none of them are coming out so right. i don't think it's a scheduling thing as i don't know well i mean coming i, I agree out, I, mean, I would could love have been to a know filming the thing is. and not to mention maybe she also didn't want to commit to two more like or basically two movies right after she did this one i don't know because she didn't have a huge uh filmography beforehand no. so it's not Most like more producing play though play the hand that you have here if you're known for being the person who's at the the helm of a trilogy that kind of like bumps you up in a lot of circles so that's why i'm saying i don't know why it, the fallout it could have been her you're putting like i don't want to be the teenage romantic comedy director didn't this happen with Catherine hardwick too in twilight wasn't oh, yeah, she yeah. responsible for the first Twilight movie, and then after that? Oh, is that true? That was it. Well, the like, who I, I, was Catherine Hardwick, the director on the first. one? I'm pretty sure. I do know that the woman who directed the first one, they shit canned her for the second yeah. and the subsequent, and it was all right. men from that point forward. Mm-hmm. I just can't yeah. remember if it was Catherine Hardwick. Sounds right though. Yeah, I think name. it was. I think, I think it was right. Catherine. Because usually, if you're gonna do a move like this, you move to someone with more experience or somebody who has a background in the genre that you're working within. And which is why I said the writing thing makes some sense because maybe, you know, they want to do something a little bit different or have some kind of different slant. So you bring in another writer who has some rom-com experience, genre experience. Uh, this thing, you yeah. literally just was like, oh, he did good with shooting this one. So we're going to just have him do everything this time. Shit, like, somebody go get the temp. Go okay. get the temp. <laughs> but I, I got to make this point, though, because I, I agree that, like, yeah, you'd bring in the guy with more experience. But the guy they brought in is Jay Mills Goodlow whose writing credits are Age of Adeline. Yeah. Which is um, supposed to be very lovely, by the way. I was about to say, that's the one I wrote down for this. Pride, A Gentleman's Game, The Best of Me. I mean, these are like, they're not insignificant movies, but 
I mean, for the love of God, he's well, not a romantic. It, like, it's not like you got Nora Ephron or somebody no, showing up, you know? I understand. <laughs> but, I mean, again, it's w- w- in conjunction to the previous writer that was there. So you don't need someone who's going to take over. You just need someone who might add a little bit of flair, maybe, especially to John Ambrose specifically if you're bringing if you're bringing in a if, a guy if that was his goal then. though then i think that they fucked up with that because i think i don't know that john ambrose is so you know we at, we agreed at the, i think that that he kind of suffers from nice guy syndrome in there where yeah he's a lovely person and he's yeah. really really nice but i just think the they have it, no chemistry they got no chemistry compared to her yeah. and peter Spark. Uh, be, they felt very best friendy yeah or like yeah it, it felt it, very cute and platonic it was I very like... similar to the lucas thing uh in the first one and kind of carrying over to this if one you, I felt if, like if at the end of this similar. john ambrose had turned out to be gay i would not have been shocked no especially that outfit that he never ended up wearing to the ball but happened to just be in when he sends the picture kind of sends you a little like bit he was of a going to a pimps and hose yeah. party yeah. yeah i uh i would like to point out that uh the guy who they brought in to do the the writing was also Apparently, he must be buddies with Mel Gibson because he's acted in Lethal Weapon 2, Lethal Weapon 3, and Maverick. Um, I've Also, conspiracy theory. Can I tell you? I actually know the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, he was uh, Mel Gibson's assistant for a while. Or, excuse me. So Nice. What happened? Uh, the guy who directed Maverick, which is not coming to me right now, uh, he was he was his mind. assistant, and then his as part of his charge, he was in charge of kind of like hanging out and being with Mel Gibson. Then took it over, and that's why he is was also a producer on the Lethal Weapon movie. Yeah, I know. Research, bitch. Like, I guess, I just, no, my, my brain goes broken. Sometimes. I just, I I go just down sit down in front of you and pull up IMDb and dick around while we're talking. Yeah. So. By I, the way, yeah, did this with no notes so time, you can yeah. confirm. Yeah. I'm, that actually was, that looking, I'm actually yeah. looking at your notes right now, yeah. and the Stormy is the best thing, which makes me die because the whole Bellevue I thing was gonna bring it is in. crazy yes. pants. I like, would like to talk for at least three hours <laughs> about <laughs> that weird fucking... Like, okay. This when when they He's trying are to like, marshal his thoughts. I seriously, man, I could not make heads or tails of this shit. Yeah. Like she gets up to volunteer and she's like, John, you know, she's like, Peter, come volunteer with me. Right. And he's like, Oh, volunteer at the old folks' home. And then she shows up and it's like the the apartments that those people have are bigger than our any fucking apartment we've ever had. I told you yeah. it was like the Overlook Hotel. Like it was everything yeah. was like all the fonts were Art Deco, and you it know, was we're, just we're like, waiting for them to pull out at the end. There's just a picture of Lara Jean, a black and white picture of her <laughs> party from like 1916. Yeah. <laughs> You've always worked here, Lara Jean. Right, yeah. We've done the star ball. Way down the star. You're year going to work the star ball yeah. forever. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree with whatever. That's you're why saying. Stormy had that dress ready for her because it's just part of time as a flat circle. Yeah, <laughs> knew it was going to come around again. I almost, size. I, I almost felt like it just. Um, I watched uh, the show Royal Pains. I don't know if you're familiar with the show. It was a USA show that the it's a I show characters set are in the Hamptons. Okay. Yes, yeah. um, and this felt like that, and I believe she is actually possibly was in an episode or two of royal pains where she's kind of this you mean holland you know, taylor or uh yes okay. uh, whoever stormy. Uh, yes holland yeah. taylor, excuse holland taylor. Me. um stormy so she you know kind of fits the mold 
of what I had in my head. So I don't know if it like just seemed familiar because it kind of just takes something from one and you know puts it right into another. But I know that uh, reading up on the research for this movie that uh, the author was really into wanting the second movie to be made specifically because she wanted to see Stormy come to life that she said that she was so into writing her uh, as a character, so but you guys seem to have an issue. No, no, no. With, but her no presence was her so thin okay. for somebody yeah. that was so so eccentric and just written and and performed so yeah. ex- like every, everything was just very very overblown. Like yeah. and, and not in a bad way. But, sure, it's very character. But weirdly, though. that relationship between yeah. the two of them, it's just nothing. And all of a sudden she shows up and she's like, oh, here, you have this dress. But it's just... I, I, see, and, I don't just, believe that, though. The, the weird, I, I didn't feel nature, that anyway. I felt the like weird she nature didn't... of just, like, that environment. Why does that place need volunteers, quote-unquote? Do they only do they only have that one woman working there? Yeah. Like, seriously, as she's walking everybody through the rooms and she's like, oh, this is the knitting room and this is the the cribbage room and this is this room I, yeah. told, I told Jenny as we're watching I'm like any minute now she's gonna walk these two fucking kids into a sex dungeon <laughs> and that's gonna be why they need right. volunteers like John Ambrose here's your mop yeah I do I will Tuesdays are lemon you. party days yeah <laughs> I do agree that uh, you know it's obviously a very weird and unique place especially when she ga- gives her the tour and it's all these ver- like every room is like a room from Clue or like some other yeah. like fucking weird dimension just, it felt like it felt like a retirement home for crazy old Hollywood stars. Yes, that's exactly like, what it Kristen feels like. Wiggs, well, which is why I was Hollywood saying it kind of like goes out of the Hamptons, yep. and it's like, yeah, yep. totally feels that if, way. If Kristen Wiggs' Hollywood starlet character had yeah. wandered through there, she would have been a hundred percent. Yeah, mixed mixed with Kate McKinnon's weird, like I have been totally abused by all the directors I've ever worked with character yes, from right. SNL, you know, when she, yeah. And it also had, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, as far as rom-coms go, especially uh, The Holiday, uh, that Kate Winslet. I have never with. seen that. It's, it's very enjoyable. And one of the characters in that is kind of like this old Hollywood uh uh, he does a lot of the musical scores for films. You knew that shit about Mel Gibson's assistant. I know. So I know it's very like, selective. Let's let's give. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just saying though, <laughs> give yourself a little bit of a break. I know. Okay? And I'll that edit was this later to make myself look great. Oh, so don't worry about me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but so the character in there is a guy who is a composer. He he does musical scores, but he's retired. He's long retired. He's like in his seventies. And Kate Winslet befriends him. They're neighbors and. The, the kind of like old retirement home in Hollywood kind of like where everybody's like it felt a lot of like this and that's what you I were saying I felt like John Waters should have been living there kinda oh yeah. my god yes yeah. also so, the fact that it was named Bellevue really threw me off because yeah, all I could very, think was yeah, insane that's a very asylum so yeah. Facility, yeah. It, what it is for me is it's just a matter of kind of geography and the location um, I have the same problem with uh, 10 Things I Hate About You mm-hmm. I know that's filmed at an actual high school right. but the geography of that layout and the like how big the fucking building is yeah it's enormous it's enormous and it's the same kind of reaction that i have to this where even the high school that they're filming at again i understand it's a real high school i understand but but the the locations are so very quirky yeah and very specific 
that it somewhat takes me out of the narrative because I'm just like these fucking kids have a shit ton of money. Yeah. They're oh, living well, in that's an insanely evident. privileged yeah. area. Yeah. I like, mean, every like house that everybody goes to, they're volunteering to is at basically what seems to be some sort of a resort for rich eccentrics. Yes. You know, it, like the, the, those which, are those are the details where I'm just like, this is. But I which want. They I want large house. Oh I God, want totally. it. I want that bedroom. I yeah. want that stupid mural. I want the headboard. Yeah. This yeah. The, these movies aesthetically are completely Jenny porn. Like by the way, because uh, you brought it up as far as like sure. it's a very rich area and all this stuff. I find it baffling a little bit that in the books it, it's set in Charlottesville, Virginia, which I believe is kind of more like that, isn't it? Kind of like old money, almost like. Uh, I cannot near, speak like, intelligently about Charlottesville. Well, besides what happened in oh, Charlottesville. Yeah, so I mean, Honestly, every, yeah. the, first Ambro- the first appearance of John Ambrose, second appearance of John Ambrose, yes. he's wearing the navy blazer. Yeah. All you can think was tiki torches. And then I was like, no, oh, no, that's yeah. bad. That's but then, bad. They, so they moved this movie to, to Oregon. Yeah. And, and Probably because yeah, they filmed it in goddamn Vancouver and they needed right. something to... Oh, uh, well, sure. But they... You know, I don't understand the move in terms of like trying to contextualize what, like the demographics or something. Like, I don't understand, I don't understand why, why the why moves, that, especially because like it's not paid off in any way with the rest of the geography. It's not paid off. Certainly not paid off with the fucking weather. No. Uh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. I don't understand. Uh, it's highly incongruous. Yeah. To, um, one thing I did want to still make a point about uh, Stormy, the one thing that I think she's supposed to be, and I hope at least, because I don't know obviously what's in the book, but in this movie, I made a note that this movie is what, like an hour and 40, we were saying? Hour and 41. Hour, yeah. Not that they I don't, paused it repeatedly to check how much was left. Right. They don't mention the mother really like uh, like in a sense of like her relationship to her mother until like an hour and 15 hour and 20 in where she kind of just like i wish you were here kind of a moment and i found that stormy is kind of like was kind of the person to try to be that like she already had a relationship with margo margo was a volunteer there previously so this is kind of a a legacy move in terms of volunteering. And then Stormy is supposed to kind of be this maternal character that they just don't have. And they try to make that work. And I think at least there is some charm to that. And that's why I enjoyed her. And I, and accepted I think all the intent was sweet, but I think they, I think they whiffed it. I like, agree with that. I, I think I agree hundred percent with what you're saying in terms yeah. of intent, but Jenny's right. Like, what they give her to work with is paper thin. She doesn't have enough screen time to necessarily earn the importance in anybody's life. Yeah. The fact of Bellevue as presented, it's like if you told me, okay, the older sister had volunteered at a retirement home where she had befriended this old woman who lived there. Right. They really clicked, and now Lara Jean wants to go and meet that same woman. All of that, like, is a narrative that really, yes, I could see where they're going with that. Yeah. But as presented, 
it is so wildly eccentric. Yeah. It is so wildly out of sync with the reality of the rest of the movie. Mm. It makes no sense they have volunteers. The woman, the only one woman we see working there, seems like she's being held there against her will. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so the area is so odd, and Stormy herself is like running around with like Bloody Marys, and she very much seems to be like the mayor of this stupid place. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's all of that creates this disconnect from what the on paper relationship looks like. Right. Like when when and, and that's the thing that threw us off when it's like, oh yeah, Margot volunteered here, and there was a woman that she loved, and then she shows up, and who Stormy actually is as presented. Right. It's so fucking wild. And also, as a maternal figure, she's garbage. <laughs> well, that's she's fair. horrible. She's more like her a drunk advice, aunt. Yeah, yeah, her advice is like, it doesn't matter if you got a boyfriend. If you find somebody else that's hot, you every single one of my right. relationships <laughs> overlapped. <laughs> I cheated on every man I've ever been with. I've buried twelve husbands. <laughs> like, and she doesn't even necessarily have that grit of character. Right. Her advice is just like weird, drunken old lady fuck advice. Yeah, just like. It's so wildly out of sync with what you think that relationship yeah. is going to be that I don't know that you can make that it's a maternal connection. Yeah. And yeah. she really encourages the John Ambrose relationship. And then when uh, Lara Jean comes back in, she's like, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Stormy's just like, we're, you know, yeah. sure. like, let's look around yeah. and see if there's a <laughs> Like she hasn't been here, personally yeah. invested in that yeah. for the entire movie, you know? Yeah. And I, I just mean with things like the dress or trying to give advice. Yeah. I mean, sure. it's a very cursory version, obviously, <laughs> as you're saying. Um, but and I feel the person I feel bad for in that situation is actually John Corbett because <laughs> if you take if you take that subplot out and you put some advice on the table from him, it seems to probably have a more of an impact. He barely seems to be a presence in his children's he, lives, though. Yeah, he he wanders in and out. Like it's very clear that Margot was mom as soon as mom yeah. died in the first movie. Yeah, like like, and I will. Say well, he that, admits as such in the first yeah, absolutely, movie. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But like, like I I don't think you could get that advice or that scene from the John Corbett character. Right. What you could have done is taken his love interest and by the way the kitty subplot where all she wants to do is see her dad get laid yeah. is weird and disturbing i, I, not I also think that. they sideline her very hard like yeah like i was saying a lot of the Ooh, kitty nice the neighbor kitty uh kitty yeah a lot of the things that i thought was very good about the first was kind of the family element the the the, the presence of the loss but without her it being relationship with her sisters her, right yeah. exactly everything that was i don't know the family I, I seemed it, much more cohesive in the first movie and yeah. it was I, it just helped deepen everybody's character yeah. and this so time when you it take just away felt... all that and just make it a more streamlined to yep. Lurgy and all her relationships it loses a lot of its charm and it loses a lot of its personality it and i think that's something that maybe they need to look forward to because from what i understand about the third movie is that the third movie is kind of like not so much about relationships, but just about kind of being in your senior year and kind of what. So obviously we're going to move more than a day uh, <laughs> in the timeline. So maybe we'll be fine with that. But it's senior year and obviously making life choices, quote unquote, about where you go to school, doing all these things while considering the friends and family in your life and all that stuff. So that to me might be that it's going to bring it back a little bit to the first one as far as like who's going to be involved who's going to have the say in her life and and obviously see some maturity. It, it seems like what 
it almost feels Which, like to be honest, I wish had, that's what the second movie was. Yeah, it feels like they only had so many spots allowed for characters. So it's like, yeah. if you're going to bring in Stormy, you've got to sideline Margot. If you're going to bring in yes. the neighbor from across the street, you have to sideline this person. Yeah. Like, very clearly, Josh was killed on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> yes. Like, Josh yeah. totally poochied on this motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Um, it'd be interested to see if he comes back at all in the third movie. And uh, just like, I would just, because you know what? In real life, that happens. Yeah. In real life, like, you go six months and you don't see if somebody. Pretty much. And your recollection is like, this was my best friend. We spent every moment together. And in reality, all of a sudden, it's like, I didn't see this person for a year and it wasn't a big deal. Right. Um, well, I, I will say something I did notice also with the casting stuff for the third one. Uh, no John Ambrose. So this might be, if this is the start and end kind of of John <laughs> Ambrose, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, it makes sense just because he doesn't go to their school. So right. he transferred schools. The only reason he's in this one is because of the volunteering of the volunteer work. All this Wait, stuff that's he transferred up. schools just to volunteer at Bellevue? No, 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 no. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That'd be a really weird subplot. <laughs> it's a real weird third act swerve where you find out that John Ambrose has just been stalking her this whole yeah. time. He's actually living under like it's a actually you under her. Porch. That's how they developed you. Yeah, it was exactly. just or yeah. that he was also dating Stormy at the time that he was trying to court. Weirdly, I actually feel like that's more plausible than him <laughs> yes. with Lara Jean. So you're saying he totally. just pulls off his face at the end and he's like, uh, what's that dude's name from Gossip Girl? Pen Pen Badgley. Pen Badgley, yeah. John Ambrose <laughs> pulls off his face, it's Pen Badgley under there. Probably would have been a better joke if I could have made the poll. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, man. The fact that I had to stop halfway through and be like, what's the name of the guy who's in that show we watched? Um, <laughs> but so uh, one thing, uh, a serious thing I wanted to do because uh, we're kind of wrapping it up. So uh, Lara Jean... How do we feel about her now versus the first movie? How do you think her character changed and are you into it? And are you looking forward to the third movie based on the progression you're doing with her? Because it's her story. As obviously someone who has been a teenage girl. Right. Um, and I've been reading romance novels my whole life um, since I was in middle so school. So this hits home. Though. Yeah. So the, all yeah. that that whole thing where she has this really idealized you know, idea of love. Um, yeah. I think the first one is super charming. The second one, much as I find it less charming in terms of, Jean is a high school girl yeah. in the second one. And yeah, you know what? It is a bit of a regression, but it's a logical regression. Right. She, of course, she's pretty composed in the first one because she's operating off a script that she's read a million times. And yeah. But it's, it's that whole what happens after the wedding kind yeah. of deal, you know? And that's... So there is that strange, even from the first, the quote unquote first date, there is sort of a right. letdown feeling to it. I think it's just the emotional immaturity of not being in a relationship. And that's where I kind of let oh, certain things slide because I had similar feelings. And that was also, like I said, those moments where I was breaking my brain of like, I'm overanalyzing the emotional maturity of a 16 year old girl right now. And I'm contemplating my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> my emotional maturity is far from complete myself <laughs> as you can know from like funko characters and comic book <laughs> movies and and us sitting in my basement yeah spinning yarns about ya novels so thank you guys so much uh for doing this uh always a delight that to was see so you guys fun. yeah um and when the third one comes out oh, fuck yeah. i all know in. who to talk to all in <laughs> maybe i'll read the books in the meantime 